Thank you, New York. Today, we're reminded of the power of community and the power of coming together. Athletes, on your mark. The first woman to finish for the second straight year here in the New York City Marathon is Mickey Gorman, a smiling Mickey Gorman, and why not? 2.29.30, the time for Gritterbikes. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line. Pointing to his chest, pointing to the USA. He so proudly wears across his chest. A great day for Mev Kapleski. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Set the Pace, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners. Great to have you with us. I'm Rob Simulcare, the CEO of New York Roadrunners, joined as I am every single week, just about, by 2009 New York City Marathon champion Meb Kofleski. And Meb, we missed you. Great to have you back from your, your trip to India. You had a chance to attend the Tata Mumbai Marathon. I'm so jealous. That sounded amazing. What was that like? Rob, great to be back with you. India was a fantastic trip. I had a, such a great time at the Tata Mumbai Marathon. Close to 59,000, over 59,000 people participate in all events, 5K, 10K, uh, and a full marathon and half marathon. And what a treat it was to, for me to be there. I love the culture. I love the ethnicity. And the people there are very, very warm. So it was just incredible time. And and on the way there to Mumbai, I was able to stop at Delhi uh, for to meet with Ambassador Eric Garcetti, who I became good friends in New York uh, when I was in L.A. So it was just a complete trip that had been on my bucket list for a long time and uh, learned a lot. Amazing. I, I can't wait to hear more about it, but uh, a huge event and uh, great to see how running really has taken off in large part because of Tata, their commitment to it. Of course, they're the parent company of TCS, our partner here in New York, and so Really great for you to have that opportunity, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it in the weeks and weeks to come. But Meb, this week here in the United States, the focus is on Orlando and the Olympic trials about to take place on Saturday. That's the theme of our show today. We've got a couple of great conversations coming up on the show. We'll have the legendary Jenny Simpson. You know her from her incredible success as a middle distance runner, eight-time Fifth Avenue mile champion. She'll join us to talk as she gets ready for her marathon debut at the trials this weekend. We'll also be joined by a New York Roadrunners member, Roberta Groner, who at 46 years old has also qualified for the trials. So great show talking about trials coming up for you. And Neb, you obviously know a lot about Olympic marathon trials. You know what it takes. You've been there. You've done that. You've succeeded. For those who don't know, talk about the Olympic trials for marathon and how they work. Like, how do you get into the race? What does it take to actually get into the Olympics? You know, the Olympic trials, men and women, is exciting. He choose about people who have earned a spot by qualifying time in the marathon or half marathon get get into starting line. Maybe for the men, might be about 150 people. For the women, might be 150 or so. You're talking about the best of the best in the nation to earn top three spots. I, sometimes I wonder, which one is more pressure, the Olympic trials or Olympic in itself? I really think the Olympic trials is more because, you know, once you make the Olympic team, you can say, you can relax a little bit, say, hey, I made the team. But now it is no matter how ready you feel, you have to earn those spots, top three for the men, top three for the women. And especially the issue with the standard time that they have done, 208. Uh, 10, I believe for the men, there's only two people that have qualifying. So usually it's automatic top three, but we have to wait and see who earns those spots. And, you know, U.S. distance running is at, at its hay and especially on the women, it's going to be incredible. I can't wait to see that happen because it's going to, you know, you have um, people who have done many times those trials, but also first timers. It can be any exciter to be able to just be fun starting line in Orlando. All right. Well, I'll be there, Meb. I know you'll be there. I can't wait to see a lot of expectation and you know different things people are trying to get out of it. Some folks really think they've got a chance to qualify. Others just have the incredible experience of running in such an elite race. So it should be a great weekend in Orlando, hopefully not too hot for the runners. Uh, we wish them all luck. A lot more coming up about that. And of course, a little bit later on the show, we'll have our Meb Minute. And since we're talking about Jenny Simpson, who's moving up from really her career as a miler to running a marathon, we'll get a, some tips from Meb about moving up to a new racing distance. That'll be our Meb Minute a little bit later on in the show. 
We've got also 14 members of New York Roadrunners are going to be competing in Orlando, which is incredible. We're so proud of that. Roberta Groner will be one of them. She'll join us to talk about her journey to the Olympic trials for the second time at the age of 46. One last piece of business before we get to Jenny Simpson. We're excited to announce that we're going to be doing another giveaway here on Set the Pace. We're going to give away three bibs to this year's 2024 United Airlines NYC half over the next three episodes. So be sure to like, follow, and subscribe the show so you don't miss your chance to gain a coveted entry into that race. A lot of folks didn't get in this year. We're going to give you a chance to get in right now. Here's how it works. We're going to ask a trivia question at the end of the show. You'll send your answer along with a screenshot providing that you've subscribed to Set the Pace and left a rating for the show. You send that to the email address nyrrpodcast at nyrr.org. That's nyrrpodcast at nyrr.org. So keep listening to the end of the show, and we'll get to this week's question. Now, let's get to our conversation with Jenny Simpson. Well, on today's show, we have a real treat, an icon, an American distance running, three-time Olympian, former world champion in the 1500 meters, and a dominant force in our very own New Balance Fifth Avenue Mile with not just one, but eight total victories to her name, coming to us directly from the site of the Olympic trials coming up this weekend and rolled stomping grounds of Central Florida, the Orlando area. We're thrilled to welcome the amazing Jenny Simpson to set the pace. Jenny, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. It feels so great to be back talking to New York Roadrunners and uh, opening up a brand new chapter and and a new journey of of my running career with you guys. Talking about journey, you know, you are a family member of the New York Roadrunners and, you know, you have accomplished so many accolades and but you inspire so many. But can you tell us the beginning of Jenny Simpson? What was that in Orlando when you start running? First of all, we know all accolades, but what was that like? That's one of the things about returning to Central Florida and Oviedo specifically. I've been training here for um, for a few weeks and I'm running by all these places where literally 20, 30 years ago, young Jenny took her first running steps. And so um, from my old high school stomping grounds, Oviedo High School, um, all the way to elementary school, uh, I covered a lot of the trails out here that I'm I'm training on the last two weeks. So it's it's fun to relive it and also to relive it with my husband and kind of show him um, the very humble beginnings of, of my running career. Do you often go back to say, okay, this is the first step, obviously. So when I run San Diego, I always look by the San Diego Zoo and I always have to look to the left where it all started. And do you have the tendency to go run a lap or something in the middle of your route or what is that like? It's just fun being out here because... I, I have not returned many times to Central Florida. My parents moved uh, partway through my college um, years. And so I haven't been here a ton, but I've stayed very, very close friends with my high school coaches. Um, and outside of just those relationships, you think you forget everything. You think, oh, I'll come back to Central Florida. It'll be so different. Oviedo is going to be totally different. And it is in many ways, but the mind is a powerful thing. And you get back and you run on those old trails and suddenly you remember, oh, this is where we turned to, you know, do this run. Or um, we were here just a few days and I remembered um, an old route we used to do and I took Jason on it just from memory. And I haven't run it in probably 20 years. So um, that's that's fun. And then just the random shenanigans you get up to as a middle school or high school or, you know, we run by different spots. And I just remember stories that are so tucked back way in the very back files of my mind. Uh, and it's fun to kind of share those along the five or six mile runs that Jason and I are doing doing together out here. So Jenny, I have to ask the, the, the question that's begging to be asked. After such an incredible career as a middle distance runner, world champion at the 1500, eight time Fifth Avenue mile winner, so much success at those middle distances, why? Why the marathon? Why have you decided at, I believe it's 37 years old, to take on this challenge and try to qualify for the Olympics in this 26.2-mile distance? Before I fully answer that question, I have to tell you, I've asked myself that question in the middle of some of my hardest workouts. Like, why am I doing this? Um, my joke among our group here is that instead of going the extra mile, I'm going the extra 25.2 miles. 
um, which sounds about appropriate for, uh, you know, at this level, athletes are so driven. We have so many dreams and ideas of what we think we can accomplish. So it seems kind of appropriate um, that we would just do 25 times the amount. Um, but uh, so why the marathon? I mean, there's so many different ways I could answer that. And I feel differently on different days, you know, why I feel really driven to do this. But probably the most consistent and most real answer is that our running community is just so huge and it's so special. And I look out at what what our community is doing and what's important and what people are participating in. And it just felt like a career would be incomplete for someone like me if I didn't do the marathon. There's just so many people that climb that mountain. And uh, I've been I've been watching my husband do it for our entire marriage. And you just when you see all the work that goes into it and then everything coming together for one single day. Um, I just, I just was so intrigued and, and I had to do it before my career was over. I mean, I'm, you know, Jason has run an Olympic trial qualifier and done very well. And I remember you seeing with you in New York, TCS New York City Marathon, when you saw that in person and visually, how does that now translate to the workout that you're doing? You know, you thought about it, but now you're going through that process. How has that has shifted to the good or the bad? Yeah, watching a marathon and dreaming of doing it is very, very different from training for it. I mean, talk about like reality really hitting. You know, you think about, oh, 100 miles a week and then you actually run that much and you think this is a completely different sport. This is a different ball game from going out and just, you know, ripping 400 meter intervals on the track. So um, I think what has been the most different and a little bit surprising to me is like, in the 1500, you 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 work so hard and you train so hard and you do have a level of fatigue. Um, but the fatigue has to be balanced in a way that you can still return to the track and be explosive, you know, two or three times a week. Um, the fatigue in the marathon is totally different. You go out and you train and you train and you train. And it's not, you know, it's kind of beyond, you're not trying to be explosive anymore. You're just trying to grind out the miles. And then when you come to the workouts, to me anyway, I don't know if this is a similar experience to other people, but it seems to me like the biggest effort is just mentally and physically, you have to just keep going and keep going and keep going. So in some ways, it's not as hard as some of the explosive work that I do on the track or when I was in the weight room doing plyometrics and trying to be really powerful. Um, And the marathon is more about just never, ever, ever giving up. It's a grind for the marathon, but, you know, for you to be able to do those quarters, you know, just fluent and just effortless, you know, 53s or whatever it might be or your last lap. But can you walk us through what has been the hardest that say, is it at the tempo? Is it the long run or just uh, been there for such a long period? What has been so like difficult to adapt or to ch- the change that has gone through? You know, that's a good question. You know, what's the hardest part? Because there is a lot of overlap. Um, I did long runs for my whole career as in, in the 1500 and kind of the relative difference from the workout to the long run is the same. I mean, the long run didn't really, for me, didn't really fundamentally change. The physical requirement, the mental requirement has always been there. It's a little, obviously it's longer now, but it feels like the same ask, you know, to go out and do a long run every weekend. Um, the workouts, you know, you, you get out and you know, it's going to be hard. And so and the easy runs, like there's so much overlap. The thing that has surprised me the most, when I get ready for a 1500 meter workout and some of the hardest ones, I get I get so nervous because it's so close to race effort and I get really nervous. And the question in my mind as I'm, you know, taking my sweats off and I'm getting ready to go do my strides right before the workout, the question in my mind is, can I do this? Like, can I even get through this workout? Um, you know, when you're trying to do 12 times a quarter in 63 seconds or something. Even the first one is really hard and you got to be warmed up and ready to go as soon as you start. Um, In the marathon, the hardest thing for me has been the longer workouts. You know, you're out there for six or seven miles pushing hard. Um, But I never really get nervous for them because they're not hard for a long time. (laughs) You know, the first mile you feel pretty comfortable. The second mile you feel pretty comfortable. Um, it's not until you get kind of halfway. And the question to me is never, 
can I do the workout? It's more like, can I hold on that long? Um, and, and so it's this, this really delicate balance between being patient and then being aggressive that I've never really had to master as a middle distance runner. That's um, fascinating. Just listening to that mindset shift uh, from changing distances, and you have some some people to follow in the footsteps of American women who have moved up to the marathon distance for the first time and done it really well. Our friend Molly Seidel uh, stepped up to this distance uh, for the trials in 2020, made the team in her debut marathon, and then went on to win bronze in Tokyo. So that if that's not an inspiration, I'm not sure what else could be. Have you had a chance to connect with Molly, talk about her experience, or what do you gain from watching the fact that someone like Molly was able to do it so successfully? You watch all kinds of athletes over the course of your career, and you just learn that there's there's multiple trails to the top of Everest. There's multiple ways to get the job done. And um, what I what I'm encouraged by for my debut is that the only thing that's new to me is going to be the 26 miles, the the asking to go out and be courageous. The the actual you know training is there. Um, the pressure, all of these things I've done before. And so uh, for me, the real, the you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to filter it down. You know, what are all the variables that go into a marathon? And for a lot of people debuting, there's a lot of new variables. And I'm trying to, you know, to put a positive spin on it and kind of encourage myself. The only thing that's new to me specifically really will be the distance. But the pressure, the ask, the training, I mean, all of that has been there before for me and and I've I've been good at it. You have successful at the highest level. What has like the 10 mile run or the half marathon if competition that you have done gives you confidence to say, hey, you know what? My training went this well for a half marathon or 10 mile cherry blossom and now looking forward to the marathon. I think I'm OK. What kind of confidence that comes from? Um, I don't know that I've had any races so far that have really given me a ton of confidence um, because the races haven't been, you know, I'm used to, again, like, you know, we have to keep bouncing back and forth between my experience in the middle distances and, and the marathon. Um, in the middle distances, you have like rust busters and then you have two or three kind of tune up races to get ready for the really big day. You have several qualifying rounds. So you have a chance to really peak at your fitness. Um, the, the 10Ks and the half marathons I've done in progression to get ready for this coming Saturday um, have really been races for a different purpose. It's not really as much exclusively to peak at fitness and decide what we're ready for, but it's practicing fueling, getting in the racing shoes. You know, it's all these other things that I haven't ever done before um, that it's, you know, we're practicing so many things that are new. Um, the actual racing part um, you know, that the distance will be new for me. But I feel like having that mindset, being a competitor, getting in there and saying, don't give up, don't give up. Um, when you're an athlete at this level and you're 20 years into your career, you don't have to practice those parts anymore. You know, Jenny, first of all, I just want to say how much we're enjoying the the aviary that you seem to be oh. uh, doing this podcast from. I'm hearing beautiful chirping. I, I think I'm hearing a woodpecker now, actually, which is really relaxing. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> Somewhere between like Florida and Jurassic Park. I keep joking, like with all the new animal sounds, I feel like uh, we're, yeah, somewhere between uh, Florida and uh, and a movie set. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds great. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple of phrases that we talk about a lot on this podcast, just with everyday folks who are trying to get through a marathon. You know, we talk about, you know, you have to just keep going, right? You, you know, no matter what, just keep going, don't give up. Like these are the things that need to be in someone's mind when trying to train for and run a marathon. And so I'm wondering for you as a person, put it, put aside as a runner for a second, what are you learning about yourself in this process of training for your first marathon? Rob, that's such a great question. And I'm so glad you're like just giving me the opportunity to talk about that bigger picture. Running, running is the perfect metaphor for life. Right. And so all the training we do and then facing the race day, knowing that it's coming and then preparing as best you can, 
and still feeling like, oh, did I do enough? Like all of those things are just greater lessons for who we want to be in the world and how we want to be as a family member and a parent and a mentor and a citizen. And so all along the way, all of these new challenges for me, as they've been difficult, you know, I think maybe a little bit of advice to somebody approaching the marathon for the first time or for the 50th time is that when it feels like, oh, I have this difficult thing in front of me, whether it's the next 30 seconds of your run or whether it's the next 30 days of training, um, you know, sometimes for me, it helps to take a deep breath and step back and say, instead of thinking about the specific task, think about like what my values are and what kind of person I want to be up against this challenge. Um, and yeah, sometimes when you back up and you look about how it's a metaphor for who you want to be, um, it makes taking on that challenge so much more natural and it gives it a greater purpose. And that's really helpful to me. And it's been really helpful to me, especially the last few months when, you know, I have this delicate balance of thinking like I've been a runner, I've been a pro runner for so many years. I know how to do this. And yet I'm humbled by the training because there's things that I'm I'm doing for the very first time and they're really hard. And, you know, you no matter how long you do this sport, you, you still have to get through a lot of those hard efforts with some element of doubt. And trust in life is important, you know, having trust in your husband, Jason. And then how about your coaches, Heather Barlow and Coach Mark Watmore? You've been with them since collegiate days. You know, the importance of that. Can you tell us a little bit? Because the importance of being you to be who you are and then having the process to trust them, say, I'm a miler, I'm a super chaser and, you know, 5K, 10K now to the marathon. How's that been going on as a confidant? Yeah, Bev, you're totally right. You know, trusting in other people's experience, that's not something that I have to do very often. <laughs> um, only because I've just been so good at one thing for so long. Um, the marathon journey for me, maybe a, a way in which it's caught me a little bit off guard is that it has been an exercise in faith. You know, you 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 know that the people around, or I know that, you know, Jason is a training partner and having run so many marathons and my coaches are you know, what they may or may not know about training for a marathon or training a middle distance runner to a marathon. They know me. They've been working with me for so long and I have enormous faith in their ability to understand how to make me, how to get the best out of me. Um, but, but yeah, having, having to really lean on them and trust on their experience, I think has actually really brought us together in a new and, um, and really kind of wonderful way, especially when you think I've been around these people and working with these people for literally decades. And, um, and, you know, what could possibly be new in our journey together? And we are discovering new things. And that's really fun. Jenny, you and Jason, both competitive people, um, no question about it. That's why you've been so successful. As you train for your first marathon, Jason's run a few of these. Is his time in your mind at all, Jenny? Do you do you see that as a goal to at least beat the time of your husband and uh, have the fastest marathon in the family? Behind the scenes of all of my Fifth Avenue or all of my Fifth Avenue mile runs, there was a family competition. Jason would always run um, one of the the heats of the men's, and it was funny because it would flip flop back and forth between whether I would race first or Jason Reed would race first on the day of the fifth Avenue mile. And, you know, people kind of, I don't know if people kind of laughed and thought, Oh, what a fun thing. Like it was, it was business for the Simpsons. It's like, who's going to carry the fifth Avenue uh, mile title for the, for the home for the year. So the time and the competitiveness in the marathon has really been a fun element of us training together. And do not be mistaken, if there is any day where he's a little tired or he's done an extra workout and I think I can kind of put him away, I take such delight in that. <laughs> and the beautiful thing is that in our marriage and in our partnership uh, through my career, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing for me that like I know he's so happy for me on days that I'm feeling good and I can go and um, push out beyond um, beyond him at the end of a run. And so I kind of have that freedom to be really competitive. Um, but I also know 
Jason Simpson of all people never just lets me go. He'll fight me to the end. So in that way, we're really, really good training partners. That's a beautiful story. I mean, it brings the best of us or the best of you. Uh, but I know you're a kicker, so I'm pretty sure he has to put that distance in you, you know, uh, or if he has run before you, he can say, oh, I got, with my curiosity, just says, she's going to get it, she's going to get it. But what advice has he personally given you about the trials, what to expect, what not to expect, or who the, you know, on race day is what you have to deliver? You know, on paper, there might be other people that have done more mar uh, done marathons and have accolades. But what tips has he given you on that 80-mile run or 20-mile run, if you can share with us? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, Jason's been an enormous source of inspiration because of how he's been doing this for so long. And I've been able to kind of watch and observe all the hard work and encouragement because he just knows what he's doing. Um, in the training the way that he's encouraged me and the advice he's given me that's been the most useful is that on the really, really great days, he kind of pulls back and reminds me that, you know, you can't put too much stock in one really good workout. And equally on days where I come in and I'm kind of hanging my head and I feel like it was harder than I thought, or I didn't hit the times, you know, he reminds me that marathon training is about having this great body of work going into one race. Um, and, and as a track athlete, the precision of splits on the track kind of leads you to put a lot of stock into what that means your preparedness is for race day. And according to him, it's just kind of different with the marathon. You know, you can't go out and run exact splits and say, this is exactly what I'm capable of in the marathon. So um, allowing there to be some margin and some mystery in how the training comes together is a way that he's really encouraged me for the actual race day. I mean, the best encouragement that he's given me is he's just like, no one's done the pressure better than you over, you know, year after year. And so at the end of the day, it is Olympic trials. It is intimidating. It is a lot of pressure. And for some reason in my wiring, in my nature and nurture, that just brings out the best in me. It has in the past. And he just encourages me that it's going to bring out the best of me again. You know, t speed is such an important thing to be able to see. I'm, I was doing a little bit of research. There's only a few people that have done 1,500 meters to the marathon. Frances Laurie Smith, you know, she made the Olympic team as a 19 and then did a marathon 39. And Rod Dixon, a bronze medalist, and ended up winning the New York City Marathon. So it's not, so you have the speed or you have the stamina, but you have also the range. How has that been a student of the sport? kind of gives you a little bit of confidence, hopefully, to just say, hey, this is 26.2 miles, it's 26.2 miles, but uh, what are you anticipating, you know, how the race would unfold, knowing that you are this, you know, the person with the speed? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I know so few people have done this, but I'm going to introduce another idea to this, to this um, theory about kind of, there's so little overlap between the mile and the marathon. I think especially in the past, it's also just a matter of amount of time you have in your running career. And athletes are having greater and greater longevity. And um, whether, you know, there's so many different factors that are fueling that greater longevity. But look at the top women in the marathon this weekend. I mean, we have so many women that are running in their prime late into their 30s. And, you know, I mean, for heaven's sakes, look at Sarah Hall. I mean, she's going to be 40 years old on race day and just an incredible career and incredible longevity. And I think, I think I saw somewhere this or ninth Olympic trials between track and marathon racing. So I think what we have now to our advantage for someone like me wanting to do both the mile and the marathon, of course, there's differences between, you know, having a talent set for speed and a talent set for kind of being able to do that grind, whether it's physical or mental, um, you know, or a combination of the two. But What's to my advantage is just I'm getting so many more years out of my body. You know, we're learning better how to take care of ourselves. I, I didn't run a decade in enormous pain. And so I still have like this emotional capacity to take on this this big challenge. Um, the the mile and training for it was so, so, so demanding of my emotions and my schedule and your lifestyle um, and continuing that for extra years to tag on a marathon. I just think and I totally understand that as a professional, you just get to a certain point where you say, 
you know, I, I think I think I've given this sport what I have to give. And I just feel grateful that at 37, I still have more to give. Jenny, we're, we're so grateful to you at New York Roadrunners for how much you've given the organization. And not only were you the face of the Fifth Avenue Mile for like a decade, uh, winning it eight times, seven times in a row, but you also were really involved in establishing our youth and community programs, rising New York Roadrunners. You were an ambassador when that program was just getting going. What did what has that meant to you to be engaged as you've been in trying to help develop that next generation of runners? Rob, I'm so glad you asked about specifically rising New York Roadrunners because there couldn't be a more appropriate time for me to be reflecting on the work I did with you guys there and my own experience. Because sitting here in Oviedo, Florida, I'm spending several weeks training in um, in our Oviedo staying with my high school coach in his house, you know, so those connections stay really strong. Um, but the reason I think there's such this beautiful connection, um, one of the reasons that I was so compelled to wor- work with Rising New York Roadrunners is because the Roadrunners provide free programming for public school kids. And I was just a public school kid. I had a public school teacher who was a PE teacher who said, this girl loves running around on the <laughs> on the playground and at recess, you should maybe, you know, plug that energy into a sport uh, and suggested an after school running program. And if it weren't for public school teachers all along the way, including the University of Colorado, for 30 years of running, I've never had a private specialized personal coach. I've had coaches from the public school system all the way through. Um, And it just shows how incredible public school teachers are, how incredible PE and art and music are for kids, how it can open up a world to them. Um, I didn't come from a family of sports enthusiasts and athletes, and the public school system made that available and possible and exposed me to that. Um, And so that's what, you know, New York Rutgers are doing for literally over 100,000 kids in the New York City area. And to be a part of that was just a real privilege for me. What lessons would you share? You know, sports are so important, you know, just like you, Jenny, uh, physical education class changed my life in seventh grade in PE class. But the New York Roadrunners have done some outstanding job to be able to give back. But some people don't understand, you know, we see it when we mature, they say, hey, 20,000 people doing the road races. But can you give us some of the fundamental examples, what sports can give confidence or time management and other things that help you be the best version of yourself? Um, there's two things that immediately come to mind. Um, first of all, kids learn best from other kids. You know, we can pour into them and we can encourage them and we can be great examples and that's important. But a kid wants to show off for their friend that's their age. And, you know, even as we grow up and we become adults, we still are trying to impress the people right immediately around us, our peers, you know. And so I think as much of the lessons that we try to instill in kids, um, they really learn the best accountability from one another and they're so close and in contact and having to be cooperative in sports. Um, And there's a lot of freedom in sports. You know, there's a certain amount of rules, but then there's a lot of cooperation that gets them to their goals. So kids learning from kids is just a huge opportunity in sports. And then the other thing that I love, and I I really learned this from working with the New York Roadrunners in these public school um, assemblies that we would do and and the kids working together is that, There's so many venues that we try to um, create value-based, character-based lessons for kids. And they're kind of sitting there and they know they have to be there and they know they have to kind of take in the material. A lot of times when it's PE class or it's music class or it's art class, the kids want to be there. And when they want to be there, they're just open to receive in a way that's different from when they're being told they have to read a certain, you know, have to read a book or they have to do this math exercise or something. So just giving kids, whether it's recess or whether it's PE or whether it's music class, giving them these moments where they have a little bit more freedom, a little bit more openness, and they want to be there. um, It's just fun to watch kids light up and really learn lessons and be more receptive. And what about for the coaches, Jenny? You mentioned the impact that all these public school and public university coaches have had on you. What advice do you have for coaches out there on how to 
how to raise a Jenny Simpson or a competitive athlete who goes on to college or whatever it is they want to get out of running because it's not easy. The coaching side of it isn't easy and a lot of folks are out there trying to learn how to do it right. Coaches are heroes. I mean, the coaches that, that care and love their kids and do it well are selfless. And and they do, they certainly don't do it for the paycheck. They don't do it for um, the recognition and the reward. Um, it's often such a quietly wonderful, thankless job. Um, and so for coaches specifically, oh, I hope that coaches can hear me say this. You have more impact than you will ever, ever, ever know. And as much as, you know, the the great athletes, whether it's specifically in running or, you know, the Serena Williams and the LeBron James of the world, you know, kids look at them and that's their idols, right? But the person that has the most immediate impact on fueling their self-esteem and their drive to continue reaching their goals on the days where it's hard is the people that are in their lives every day. So whether that's the parents or their coaches, never underestimate the power of you looking directly into the eyes of a child and saying, I believe in you. And that was a huge impact on me as a kid. Um, so that's my direct uh, encouragement to coaches. And then if you're a, a parent or an athlete or someone that has extra time or resources, kids are kind of the easy target sometimes for our, our charitable endeavors. But if you want to reach a massive amount of kids, support a coach or support a public school teacher, because as much good as you can do in the life of one kid, PE teachers are reaching hundreds of kids every single day. And, um, you know, they're kind of overlooked, I think, sometimes these public school teachers that just go in every day and they they're they're giving and they're giving and they're giving. And, you know, they're helping us raise this generation of kids uh, and, and they deserve more of our support. Amazing. Sounds like a future coach talking to us here, Meb. I don't know. I feel I feel like the passion uh, could could end up with a coach Simpson down the road. We'll see about that. It feels that way to me. Jenny, when you tow the starting line on Saturday in your hometown, how big a home field advantage do you think you're going to have? I mean, I, I don't know how many folks are going to come out to support you, how many people you're still in touch with from the Orlando area, but you know, how, how much do you think that's going to help you and, and, and what's it going to be like to run this race in your hometown? It's just inspiring for me to think that over the course of all the things I've done, I get to come back here and, and show the woman I've become to all these people who, who kind of built the foundation, you know, the foundation of the self-confidence and the dream that I had as a 12-year-old and then a 15-year-old and then an 18-year-old. And then they launched me off to Colorado and, um, and I get to come back and kind of show off uh, what I've made of myself, you know, the, the woman I've become built on that foundation. And, and so that is a, a big motivation and a big inspiration for me. Um, I've kept in touch with my, my high school coaches and my middle school coach, and um, they all better be out there. They all, they all better be out there. They better be loud. Uh, it'll be very, hopefully very obvious uh, that, that they're in my corner and, and they're, they're rooting for me. So, um, and then it's been fun just being in town and, and running into people that, you know, you haven't seen in a long time and they're excited that I'm back and I'm going to be racing. And so, um, yeah, I hope to have a, a, a big contingent of people rooting for me all along the course. You know, Jenny, as a New Yorker runner say, it's the biggest block party of 26.2 miles journey. And I just want to let you know that this is a victory lap for you. No matter what it is, the outcome might be. This is just a celebratory of what you have done for generations of people inspiration. You've done all the accolades. This is just how sweet that frost cake can it be. And I just am uh, proud of you and wish you all the best. But I just wanted to thank what was going to be the last mile. You know, you know, we talked about the 26.2 <laughs> miles, but can you walk us through just what you have visualized at the, in Orlando, your hometown, and going to the last mile of, of, of the Olympic trials. So I've kind of been saving and reserving this idea just for race day. I keep thinking I'm going to get in that last mile and I'm going to tell myself, Jenny, this is what you're best at. You know, that last mile, the mile is my, is home base for me. So when we get in that last mile, I hope that there's a, you know, I mean, Mav, thank you. And like you said, no matter what, there's going to be so much to celebrate. No matter what position I'm in, no matter how it's going, kind of that last mile, I'm just going to be thinking, 
girl, this is what you're good at. Enjoy it. And hopefully it'll be lined with people that have been there for not just the 26.2 mile journey, but for me personally, people that have been there for really a decades long journey. And uh, I just hope it's, yeah, like you said, a block party. That sounds fun to me. I'm there for it. (laughs) All right, Jenny. So we don't know how it's going to go Saturday. Obviously, the answer to this question depends a bit on the result on Saturday. But what do you think about the future uh, for Jenny Simpson, the runner? Do you think this is one of uh, many marathons? Do you think this is something you check off and say, did this? yay, I'm a marathoner and move on with your life like Med thought he was going to do after his first marathon. What are you? What, what are your thoughts about where you go from here as a, as a runner? The most common thing I hear from people that have run their first marathon is I'm never doing that again. So I'm a, I imagine I will have some period of time after the finish line where I'm going to say I'm never going to do that again. Um, you know, the absolute dream is that... Uh, as well as I do on Saturday, it earns me a mandatory second marathon. We'll see if that's uh, if that's in the cards or not. Um, but but I just feel like I this will be a reveal to me as much as it is everyone to everyone else. You know, as it unfolds, I'll be learning what I'm capable of right alongside everyone else. Um, and more than anything, I just want my family, my little nieces and nephews you know, the kids along the course, the people who who raised me, who are going to be there cheering for me. I want all of them to see I'm brave enough to try to be good at more than one thing. And we all get to find out together if I am as great at more than one thing. We know you're good at more than one thing here in New York, Jenny, because not only do we know that you like to cheer at marathons and now you're running a marathon, but we know you've actually worked the marathon for us at New York Road Runners as well. And I, people probably don't know this story. I don't know it, but I know my team wants me to ask you about the story of you working the marathon for us in New York one year as a member of our runner services team. Can you, can you tell us about that? What happened? Oh, man. I was in the media tent and I thought, oh, I'll go down uh, on the west side of the park. There's, um, I don't remember exactly what, what the cross street is, but on the west side of the park, there's runner services. So, you know, an information booth, basically. And it's right where the runners are coming out, um, you know, after a grueling experience of 26.2 miles and their family members are trying to meet with them. And I went down, I thought, oh, I'll just give some people a little bit of relief. I'll help a little bit. I'll try to answer a couple of questions. And I came into a war zone of just like the army crawl of logistics of marathoners and family members that know nothing about running, trying to meet each other. Um, and I tell you what, New York run runners, the, the, the people on the ground working that tent are the heroes. I mean, I thought to myself, the media tent has no idea what marathoning is really like until they've been down into that sea of people trying to meet up with one another, you know, just happy but totally broken people coming out of their marathon experience you know trying to 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 find the the few little things that they need or find their family members um and and uh i don't know it was just such it was it was such a real world experience especially for the absolute most privileged level of the sport the tip of the spear being you know the the elite track and field athlete and then seeing the collision of of um you know everyday runners just trying to meet up with their family so Anyway, I have so many funny stories about that experience. Um, I I saw the incredible patience and resolve of the human in runner services. I was so impressed. Completely changed my mind about the hardest job and the hardest role on race day. Definitely not the people racing anymore. <laughs> um, and and it was it was just such a good experience. But I have to say, you know, our our sport couldn't take on with track without track and field officials without volunteers without people you know setting up the water cups and things and so um if you've never volunteered for a race before you know whether it's something as big and exciting um and logistically challenging as a new york city marathon or if it's just your local turkey trot um you know if you're a runner and you run every day maybe thanksgiving is a good day to take a day off of running and volunteer for the turkey trot if you've never volunteered for a race before you should do it because it's just so great to be on 
kind of the audience side of a race one day um, and and kind of in the service side of it. Um, and so I, I really enjoy it. It's always been fun for me. Um, I've actually volunteered for several New York or uh, New York races, um, including the the 5K dash to the finish line. And you do it with friends and it's fun. And uh, and yeah, I just encourage people to give it a try. And this is why everyone in New York loves Jenny Simpson right there. Not only is she fast, not only is she a world champion and Olympic medalist, but she's a volunteer here in New York. The other thing is you gotta you gotta volunteer for the New York runner so you get a hat. If you volunteer, <laughs> you get the hat. And that's you know, I wanted the cute little blue hat from the dash. And uh and so yeah, they make it worth your time. <laughs> We are going to turn this into a commercial for Donna Finney and our volunteer team at New York Roadrunners. Donna has a saying, when you see a volunteer, thank a volunteer. So Jenny, thank you. Thank you for volunteering with us. We appreciate it very much. All right. We're going to let you go so you can get back to training and getting ready for Saturday's uh, Olympic trials. But will we see you back in New York, either as a volunteer or maybe towing the line for another race? You know, we do have a lot of distances, not just the Fifth Avenue Mile, not just the marathon, but all kinds of stuff in between. Any any chance you'll come back and join us for a race? Well, like Meb said, I really do feel like part of the New York Roadrunner family. I think just the city of New York gets under your skin. If you've been there and you've succeeded, it's just there's no there's nothing like succeeding on the streets of New York City. Um, and and so it'll always be part of uh, my life. I'll always have an itch to get back to the city on occasion. Uh, so yeah, if you're a runner in New York city, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, I have many, many loops around central park still ahead of me. Thank you so much, Jenny. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This is really a pleasure and fun to see both of you and, um, excited to see all the, all the new mountaintops that, uh, New York road runners take on in the future for runners too. Jenny, thanks again for joining us ahead of your big race Saturday. We are all behind you and wish you all the best of luck. Now it's time for today's New York Roadrunners member spotlight, and today is a special one. Another woman who is going to be competing in the U.S. Olympic trials for the marathon this weekend in Orlando is our member, Roberta Groner, and Roberta is incredible. She is a mother. She is a full-time nurse. She is a coach, and at 46 years old, she will compete in these trials after an incredible list of past accomplishments, sixth place at the 2019 Marathon World Championships, a 2020 and 2024 Olympic Marathon qualifier, so this is the second time she's done this, multiple top 15 finishes in the New York City Marathon, just to name a few. Roberta, you are a legend of New York running, and it's really great to have you here on Set the Pace. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to share my story. <laughs> All right. So I just, the obvious question I have to ask is how, how do you do this? I mean, you've got so much going on uh, in your life uh, and for you to be able to compete at the level you're doing it. And again, you know, we don't like to get into age too much, but it's not easy to do it. I mean, you get, you know, up into your forties and, you know, I'm 52. I, I, I'm looking at you and I'm like, I can't believe this woman does what she does. So how do you do this? Well, I think that running is a passion for me, and I think it makes me a better person on a daily basis. So I I prioritize that because I feel like if I'm not running or if I'm not doing something I enjoy, I'm not the best version of myself. So time management is like the biggest thing. I know I have to be at work at 830. So what's my day? Uh, I have to plan my week out pretty um, diligently um, so that I get all my runs in um, and also see my family, and uh, which is a big priority, and also do the... Um, things such as work. So yeah, I think it's just getting up early and going. <laughs> well, there's only 24 hours in a day, but how, as Rob said, how do you manage to get like, I'm pretty sure 26 or 27, most of us kind of like, how can we do it? But you are as a mother, as a full-time job and as a runner and many other, as a coach, how do you do it? That, I mean, can you do, give us your daily schedule of a little bit of kind of synopsis? Yeah, sure. I'll give you like a day when I'm doing work, coaching and everything else in between. So I usually get up around 5, 530 out the door a little after six for a run or a workout, depending on the day uh, back home and uh, showered and quickly rushed to work. Um, sometimes I'll do a second run on my lunch break. I get about a 35, 40 minute lunch break. So I go out for a quick five miles, get back into work. 
Then after work, I head into New York City (laughs) to coach. Um, And sometimes while I'm at coaching, um, I'm running around kind of, if I don't do the second run at lunchtime, I'm doing a second run while I'm at practice with the uh, uh, other athletes. So, and then I head home. Um, Sometimes I have three teenage boys. So sometimes, you know, they're on their own sometimes, or I cook them a meal and then that's the end of my day, (laughs) shower and uh, off to bed. Roberta, you ran competitively in college, so you have a running background. You stopped running for 10 years after college, and then you picked it back up again as an adult. What led you to pick it back up, and how has it been getting back to these levels of competitiveness years after you ran in school? Yeah, so I mean, uh, when my youngest son was two, who's now 16, um, I just kind of wanted to get out the door and do something like 30 minutes on my own. So I got out peacefully for a quick run here and there. I never, never imagined my running career going this back to this competitive level. I'm actually more competitive now than I was in high school and college. I'm running faster times than I was running in high school and college. But it took a long time. It wasn't like I just got out the door and I was a fast runner again. You know, um, I think 2011, I ran my first marathon in 312. And, you know, it took, I think 2016, 2017 was my breakthrough year where I ran a 230, you know, so it was, uh, years of consistency and dedication and, uh, finding my way through the sport again. So. What was that like to be able to just says, you know, I had it and it was gone. Do you have a greater appreciation now that you kind of found a second win this per se, you know, like for me when I was injured and it was gone and like every moment you seize it now, how is that different for you now? Yeah, I I think like looking back, um, I was easily able to walk away from the sport in college. There was no passion or love for it. It was almost just like it came upon me as something I was good at. And I helped out a team. I loved that aspect of it, but it was easy to walk away. I was burned out a little bit. And then coming back into it as an adult, um, I truly just found this love and passion for the sport, um, which has made it all the more enjoyable now. I don't feel it's a chore like I did when I was in high school and college. This is just something I love to do, you know, so. Roberta, you've run 36 New York Roadrunners races by our records. You're (laughs) a member of Roadrunners. You're a coach, of course, and a member of Central Park Track Club. How has being a member uh, with New York Roadrunners and our organization helped you get back to this incredible forum and and, uh, overall in your running journey? Absolutely. I mean, what a great uh, organization you guys have and run and like um, it's such a competitive level too. So it's really just fun to get out there and enjoy the moments with other teammates and just surroundings of people that love being out there doing the sport. So um, I just always enjoy the opportunity to come out and race. Um, It's just a great moment. Tell us that feeling. What are you looking forward to this weekend as you go the tow out the Olympic trials for the second time? What is that feeling the first time, but now the second time? What can you share with us? Yeah, I mean, the first time I was, I, I think this time is I'm going out there to enjoy every moment of it um, and, and finish. Um, in 2020, I took a different approach. Um, I was seated 17th um, in 2020. I was 42 at the time. And I was like, well, this is my time. I'm going to try to run with the big dogs. And I DNF'd. So, um, you know, and then COVID happened right afterwards. So it took a couple of years to kind of get back into the swing of things. So really, this is just getting out there, uh, running the best race I can run and seeing what can happen, uh, but not really um, looking too far. I just want to race my race is what I want to do. Roberta, I mentioned Central Park Track Club. You, you're a coach with them. What does coaching mean to you? How, how important has it been, both the coaching you've received to perform at the level you're at, and then also the coaching that you're able to provide others as you've gone down that path? Yeah, I mean, back back in 2020, 2021, during COVID, I really started thinking about how I want to pay it forward in this sport. And that's when I started taking my own person, like my co- personal coaching journey, I'm taking some certifications, starting some doing some online coaching. Um, and then in 2022, I was given this opportunity to come coach Central Park Track Club. Um, and I just love giving back to the sport and sharing my knowledge, but also seeing other people's success and journeys. Um, my own person, like my own coaching. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm just so blessed the, the people that have mentored me, um, are wonderful, uh, humans. And I feel like I've learned something so much from each of them. Um, I've had coach Hector Matos, uh, Steve Magnus, and now Devin Martin, who's the head coach of my club, which has been fantastic having somebody hands-on right in the cities, being able to see me and support me and have our club help 
me along this journey, which has been wonderful. Such a great, wonderful family community that I have inherited now. Well, I know they're very proud of you at Central Park Track Club. We're so proud of you at New York Roadrunners. Can't wait to see you. Have a great, great day in Orlando. We'll be there cheering you on and just hope you have the the day that you want to have, uh, run the race you want to race, as you said it, and just enjoy it. It's an incredible accomplishment. Um, last thing I'll ask you before we let you go, there's so many members who would just dream to have anything close to the level of competitive accomplishment that you've had. People just like you who've got kids and jobs and busy lives, what's your advice to them on how to put it all together and balance it all to get the most they can get out of running? I just think it's just being consistent and also enjoying it. If you're not loving it, take a break from it, find something else. But if it's not making you smile or if you're not enjoying the process, um, I think it's hard to really achieve what you want to do with it. So that's what I've learned over the years when I took a break for 10 years. Uh, coming back into the sport, it's, you know, I found this love that I didn't have before. So just love the process and realize it takes time. It's not a, it's not a quick fix or like a, a you, have to, you have to climb the ladder. Small steps go to big, big, big steps or big goals. Okay. So that's what I would advise. Just love it. Well, you're going to put a lot of smile on people's face as you tow up on, uh, on Orlando on Saturday. Just, you know, we are inspiration to many and not, you know, the generation to come to be able to just say, hey, you might lose it for a little bit, but never give up hope and be able to overcome your adversity. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. I very much feel like people sometimes ask, well, what if you would have just stayed competitive after college? And I feel like that wasn't my story, you know, and this is the story that I get to share. And I don't ever think back on what ifs it's, you know, what, what can I, what can I do now? You know, what can I bring forward with my life? So here it is. Well, it's a great story and it's going to have another great chapter this weekend in Orlando. So Roberta, thank you so much. Great to see you. And we will see you at the finish line. At the finish line, because that's where you're going to be in Orlando this weekend. Thanks so much for coming on. Very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Roberta, thanks again for joining us and being a member of New York Roadrunners. We're all going to be cheering you on on Saturday and can't wait to see you cross the finish line. Listeners, you can keep NYRR youth and community programs running strong all year long by becoming a New York Roadrunners member. Your continued support as a member has a huge impact on initiatives like the free and fun Rising New York Roadrunners Youth Events and our Youth Wheelchair Training Program, Open Run, our Run for the Future Program, as well as our Race Free Program. As a member, you'll also receive early access and discounts to races, training discounts, access to exclusive in-person and virtual member events as well. Become a member and be part of an engaging and inclusive running community. Sign up or upgrade today at nyrr.org. All right, Meb, it's great to have you back on the podcast this week, and we're ready to move to our final segment of the show, the Meb Minute. And as we just talked about with Jenny Simpson, moving up to a new distance can be really challenging. A lot of folks who are listening are probably training for their first ever half marathon, the United Airlines NYC half. What tips can you give our runners out there who are moving up for the first time to a new longer distance, whether that's a first time half marathon or marathon, and we're even just running a 10K for the first time. Rob, as we have said in the past, the hardest part about running is tying your shoes up and getting started. Once you do that, whether it's a mile, a, fi- uh, a 5K, 10K, half marathon, or full marathon, it all starts with the first step. But setting goals is important. Is it weekly? Is it monthly? Is it yearly? You'll be able to just say, hey, I'm getting ready for the United Airlines New York City half marathon. I need to get in three miles, three miles becomes six miles, six miles becomes eight miles, and then you know you're ready. So those things are important to just emphasize on the daily, weekly, and monthly goals. And it's a stepping stone. Running does not happen overnight. You can't jump from mile three to mile 12 or 13, but you have to be patient and let the progress kind of unfold, whether it's the first time you're running or you have kind of lost the passion for it and you're coming back. It's time to just reset the button and make the progress looking forward to just making improvements. And you can see that, you can definitely see that the fitness getting better and better weekly and monthly. And that's the best advice I can give to those people I'm making the progress. Don't look at, say, I'm a 5K, I got to do, I can't double it. Don't look at that. We just look at it as next week, next month, and you can have a great time. All right. It's a journey, right? You got to trust the process, as they say. And Meb, great advice there. Thank you, as always today's Meb Minute. 
All right. For those of you who are waiting for that trivia question, hoping to get into this year's United Airlines NYC half, now's your chance. Here we go. Earlier in the show, we mentioned that we have some New York Roadrunners members who will be running in the Olympic trials on Saturday. The question is, how many members, how many New York Roadrunners members will compete in the Olympic trials this Saturday in Orlando. Go ahead and send your answer along with that screenshot proving that you've subscribed to the show and left a rating to NYRR podcast at nyrr.org. That's NYRR podcast at nyrr.org. The drawing will end at midnight on February 6th and a winner will be randomly selected on February 7th. All rules surrounding the sweepstakes are available at nyrr.org slash set the pace. All right, we've reached the finish line of this amazing episode, if I do say so myself. Great conversations, Meb. Great to have you back with us. And thanks again to Jenny Simpson, Roberta Groner for joining us. We'll be all keeping an eye on those results this Saturday in Orlando. And remember, as always, if you like the episode, go ahead and subscribe it. Rate, leave a comment for folks out there so you can tell them how much you're enjoying the show. We're enjoying it, enjoying having you with us. We will all see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Set the Pace.